0: Welcome to The Good Download, a fortnightly roundup of creativity to uplift and inspire. We're a group of planners and creatives from The Good Agency in London. We feel that the world needs a little more good right now. That's why we're sharing inspiration with you from across our sector and beyond. There's lots to get excited about and hopefully spark some good ideas of your own.
1: So we're recording today's episode in what's been a whirlwind fortnight for Adland with lots to celebrate from LGBTQ history month to Lunar New Year to Valentine's Day and we've even seen Elton John and Michael Caine's very amusing NHS comedy sketch which promotes the vaccine um, but actually what's really made me stop and pay attention this week surprisingly is former Love Island star Dr Alex who has recently been appointed ambassador for mental health. And in a recent tweet, he said, now more than ever, we realize how fundamental this is. It's time for change, which I think is a really interesting thing to hear from a influencer who has really swapped around careers um, and been hugely influential in lots of different spaces and leads us nicely into today's theme for the episode of the Good Lab download, Influence for Good. So I'm going to start by asking, Isabel, what's your good thing for today? So I
0: wanted to talk about It's a Sin. Have you guys seen that? Love it. Yeah, I feel like um, I didn't really have any water left in my body by the time I got to the end of that last episode. For the benefit of anyone who hasn't seen it, it follows a group of... Gay men in the early 80s through to the late 80s, so right at the start of the AIDS epidemic in London.
2: She said, they said, they're always saying something. But do you want to know the truth? Do you know what it really is, AIDS? It's a racket. It's a money-making scheme for drugs companies. Do you seriously think there's an illness that only kills gay men?
0: And it's just, it's a beautiful show. It's funny. It's obviously incredibly sad. There are so many things we, we could talk about when it comes to it. Just this morning, I saw an article about how TV like this is providing queer community with spaces that lockdown has taken away. Um, but particularly, I wanted to touch upon the real rise in HIV tests that have happened as a result of the show. I find it really interesting to see how TV can be a force for behavioural change in this way, and particularly celebrities themselves can be a force for change. Ollie Alexander, who is the singer of Years and Years was cast as the lead in the show. Um, So kind of really interesting casting choice for that. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on it.
2: Something so interesting about casting is people who make advertising campaigns and bits of content, you know, somebody perhaps might not be the best actor, but could bring something else to the role. And I've heard Russell T. Davies speak about, can you cast straight actors to play queer roles? On It's a Sin, we set out to cast not just gay as gay, but as a gay producer and a gay director. And if you apply that to all these women shows, if you talk about I May Destroy You, uh, Killing Eve, and, and, and I Hate Susie, and and no one's, no one's piping up saying, shouldn't there be a man in there? What about a man? Put a man's opinion into those things. They are genuinely new and brilliant and vital through being entirely female. Same with this. I have found... A real joy and satisfaction and an energy rising off the finished product that I find very queer and very authentic and very enjoyable.
0: The power of this, in terms of the influence it's had, is in the authenticity. Mm-hmm. It's certainly something that's very clear when you watch it. It feels, it feels real. It feels like there's been such loyalty to actually what happened in terms of the story and the character development. And you know, you can you can tell the level of research that must have gone into developing it but also the fact obviously that Russell T Davies was there and he lived it and he's obviously written quite a lot in the promotion of the show about what it was like to be in London at that time so yeah I, th- I think authenticity as a sort of creative tool for um, for influence
1: is a really interesting thing and just going back to um that thought around celebrities I noticed that Stonewall UK has just announced a partnership with TikTok And I actually downloaded TikTok last night. I know I'm late to the game, but it's it's now on my phone and I can accurately speak about TikTok. And what's really interesting with that is that they're using these celebrities to talk about and educate the public on LGBTQ plus history month, but all of the celebrities chosen are gay, bi, trans, etc. So they can authentically have that voice and that feels really important.
2: Well, that's a great segue, but a massive tonal shift to our next good thing um, that I'm going to talk about. So this is more of a macro trend, which is the meteoric rise of comedy influencers. Now, I think comedians at the moment are, are basically playing a public service, um, and the BBC have commissioned a festival of comedy to cheer up the nation, um, which I'm really looking forward to. But, you know, we've also seen over the pandemic Lots of kind of careers flourishing of comedians who might have had a career before but then became really big um, on social and then branched out into other areas. So, two people that I, I absolutely love who kind of first spotted on Instagram and then moved into TV are um, Judy Love, who is now uh, a loose woman on ITV, and also Mo Gilligan. Uh, BAFTA-winning Mo Gilligan, um, who I've spotted in comic relief, uh, range of celebrities launching Red Nose Day. Yeah. Uh, this week, this week, I once went to a talk by an influencer agency, and they said the thing that influence social influencers really want that brands can give them is the ability, ironically, to break out of social and to go from uh, you know Instagram and TikTok into TV and just general media conversation. And, and to that point about authenticity, they're brilliant um, spokespeople. I know Judy Love has done a lot of stuff around mental health, the campaign against living miserably, Black Lives Matter, and, uh, and Mo's obviously uh, a part of the Comic relief team, um, using his, his power of funny for good. And I think it's no coincidence as well that so many of these comedy influences are Black or from, or from other minority mm. groups or kind of groups whose voices haven't been so easily heard before. And you know, black kind of black Twitter, black Instagram, black TikTok, and back in the day, Black Vine, you know, such an interesting network of kind of influence, empowerment, solidarity. Um, and and of course, the one who's, you know, stolen the show um in the pandemic is Elsa Majimbo, who, you know, is 19, is a 15 times chess champion, really? is based in Nairobi in Kenya, and has become an absolute global superstar, kind of recently featured in Vogue. And I spotted this week, she's the Base of Bumble's new uh, campaign it has done some really funny, That's hilarious kind of Ask Elsa Bumble things. <laughs> you need to break up with him and follow him and block him on all socials yes you can't follow him on your fake instagram account you want know <laughs> no michael never say never you just need to go up to her and tell her she is so much more than a professor to you my take on it would be get yourself some comedy influencers if you want to get your message out there yeah. and if you're lucky, if you're lucky enough for them to want to work with you
0: i mean elsa particularly is Amazing. I went for a period of just spamming my friends constantly with her videos. I'm absolutely obsessed with her. You, You know, you can use influencers in such a way that it just kind of feels a bit false and a bit obvious and a bit on the nose. But what's so wonderful about her is she's hilarious in a way which you can't really fake or replicate. Like it's just it's real. And so from a marketing perspective, it's it's a realness that is the beauty of it.
2: Yeah, Izzy, how do you work with someone like that as a copywriter? Because the beauty is that they kind of come up with their own material, right? Yeah. But do, you, do you like kick them off? How does it work?
0: In the case of Bumble, the, the ads that I've seen that she's done from them, I think they'd probably be very lightly scripted, but so much of that is her. So I think your input as a copywriter would be probably from a kind of almost like a creative direction point of view, rather than a prescriptive, this is literally what you're going to say. Because as soon as you do that, you know, I I could never make it as good as what she would say, sadly, I wish.
1: And I wonder with comedy influencers in particular, whether there's some brands that are just, at the moment, just too scared almost to work with them, because it might not align with their supposed values or whatever it is. And I just wanted to get your take on that. That's such a good point, because I think... What I love about Elsa is the total
0: irreverency. And I think, yeah, there there probably is an element with certain brands of being too cautious in the way they voice things.
2: Yeah, I was listening to Catherine Ryan speaking about this recently, who is also hilarious. And uh, she was like, you know, we're not silly. You can can, uh, set boundaries on our work. We know, you know, we're not going to swear and talk about explicit things if it's a kid's brand but equally there is an element of risk and creative freedom so yeah treat them like grown-ups treat your audience like grown-ups but also we all need a bit of a laugh don't
0: yeah, really. <laughs> and comedy is risk like you, you don't play it safe when you're um
1: when you're a comedian at all like that's that's just not part of your job i, I think What works so well with comedy as well as that, especially in a marketing and advertising kind of space, is that it does give you that cut through. And that's something that we're all looking for. There's, you know, a sea of sameness, I suppose, out there and actually being able to cut through using humour is a really powerful tool to do that. And I don't know if you agree, but some of my favourite campaigns come from New Zealand. I just think that they get that kind of humour balance so well in the summer, they had that recent kind of porn safety campaign. I don't know if you saw that with the there was two effectively kind of naked porn stars who were helping to educate. I think it was a mum on how to speak to her son about the porn he's been watching. and it was all about, you know, what reality is versus what what's being seen through these porn stations. And it was that was created by New Zealand's government. And I think it just goes to show that it's like, You can use humour in these supposedly serious spaces and it can work really well and actually I wonder if there's something to learn particularly in the charity space for not being afraid of that humour and actually behaviour change and things like that really benefit from it.
2: Mm. Yeah totally, I once went to a talk which is all about how comedy is actually a science and there are kind of rules that you need to understand and then to break which means in a way it's less risky but as you said, one of the things is comedy pushes taboos, and if if you have a subject matter that's really difficult to talk about and uncomfortable, then actually you probably should just make a massive joke out of it, and that's how you that's how you get people talking.
1: Well, speaking of comedy for good, my good thing for this week is taking a pretty different approach, I suppose. And um, it's not about individuals and celebrities and actors, but actually about brands positioning themselves as influencers for good. Um, but it does have that comedy edge to it. And this this example is from Oatly. I don't know if you've um, seen their recent work with their Are You Stupid? digital campaign. And What it is, is it's in response to the European Parliament who are proposing changes to Amendment 171, which means banning what they're terming as misleading phrases like dairy-free. So it's all about the kind of language and the packaging that's being used and misleading customers. Has it ever happened that you were going to
0: buy regular cow milk, but instead you came home with plant-based milk? No. No. Mm
2: -hmm. Never?
0: No. No. I want you to point at the one that is cow milk.
1: This one. The green one.
0: Why is that? It says fresh milk yeah. and
1: this account on the package so it's all pretty obvious okay so the point here is that only are proving uh, to the european parliament that it's not about you know misleading the public um but actually by bringing in this amendment you actually could confuse consumers even more um, but i just thought this was a brilliant example of using humor and influence for good but from a brand's perspective rather than the traditional kind of influencer route
2: yeah I love it. It's getting into that influence doesn't have to mean influencers and brands becoming activists space. Not maybe not every brand should be an activist but if you're a challenger brand being able to take on the status quo is really powerful.
0: Yeah, it feels like it's very much their space, isn't it? And when you, when you think about the kind of um, stuff they've put out before like this is this is very much their playing field and I I like how they target ordinary people in the creative like there's that really kind of like nice slightly meta link between um, the focus group as influence which is obviously something that's very much in our line of work and so ordinary people within that but then obviously ordinary people with influence on government decisions.
1: But yeah I, I think Oatly is a really good example of a sort of brand that, that feels like it's kind of born with purpose that is able to use humour in that tone and I wonder whether and maybe not always successfully, but even things like their, their Help Dad's recent campaign was a, another brilliant example of this. And it does feel like a lot of brands can, can learn from that sort of clever positioning of being an activist. And I, I wonder if we can take something away from that.
2: Yeah, they, they basically make entertainment, don't they? Um, I was just reading yeah. about their creative process in-house and rather than a marketing department pushing product, what they actually created is something called ODDS, which stands for the Oatly Department of Distraction Services. And actually their whole strategy is to make entertainment and games and fun stuff, you know, which includes influencers.
1: That's brilliant.
2: They rethought the process to get different outputs, I think.
1: Yeah. What an amazing job to have. It makes me think as well of like if you're in the kind of discovery team for Lego or something Mm -hmm. like that, it was just, I think that... Kind of use of play is such a brilliant way to get creativity out there. But almost, I guess, in Oatly's case, it's a bit with that sort of dark humor attached to it, which works so well. Mm, they really rub people
0: up the wrong way, which I, I quite like from a creative point of view. <laughs> yeah. I think creative that um, that antagonizes people sometimes, if done in the right way, is great. And you know, going back to your point about them as sort of activists, I think it's um, it can be quite a powerful tool when it comes to influence.
2: Yeah, it's so interesting. We've we've covered, like, different types of influence. We've talked about celebrities. We've talked about social influencers and comedians. It's the same kind of cultural moments influencing people, Oatly activists or campaigners, but also Oatly are great at that peer-to-peer influence as well, kind of within families. Obviously, their whole, uh, you know, convince your dad campaign is so true. And, and, like, in our family, it was my sister who brought oat milk along and introduced it to the parents and now they absolutely love it and they've subscribed. Um, So, you know, there's there's loads of kind of different strings and levers of influence we can we can draw on, which is cool.
1: Absolutely. And I think what's actually maybe a bit of a gap and something that good agency can help to fill is that translating that influence into influence for good. Because I think often Mm. it's out there. We've spoken a lot about comedy and the power of that. Um, but when you attach it to things like a behavior change campaign, that's when you really get that, that positive impact and, and power that can fall up from that.
2: Yeah, use your power for good, not evil. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of paradigm. It's got
1: that slight evil twist to it to make it yeah. more entertaining.
2: <laughs> yeah, maybe.
1: <laughs> all right, that's all for
0: today. Thank you so much for listening to our second episode of The Good Download. We'd love to hear from our listeners, so please get in touch if you have any suggestions for upcoming episodes. Tweet us at goodagencyldn or send a message to hello at goodagency.co.uk. Links to everything we discussed today can be found in our show notes on goodagency.co.uk, where you can also sign up for a weekly injection of positive creativity via our newsletter, Free Good Things. See you next time.